Welcome to episode 32 of the Hoop Threads podcast here with two Big East legends, uh, Chris Wright and Austin Freeman. How's it going, guys? Pretty good, pretty good. Pretty good. All right, good. Good all right man. So big, big fans of the podcast. First, first off, got a shout out to a dog talk podcast. I know Chris got the merch there. Uh, got to represent. So really, really appreciate you guys sharing um, some of your experiences and bringing on some great people uh, to talk, even if, if it is the Georgetown Hoyas. So um, let's get it going. Let's talk first about, um, you know, Chris, tell us about your, your basketball journey, you know, how you got started, you know, grassroots people that looked out uh, all the way from there to Georgetown. Um, well, for me, I mean, I'm, you know, I'm a PG County kid. I was born, born in PG County. And, uh, you know, it's kind of just, I mean, if you're from the area, you you eventually going to gravitate to basketball. It's a sports town, and basketball is our, probably is our biggest sport. And you know, I have an older brother, and my my pops he put me in in football and basketball. So I started out playing in Temple Hills with Silver Hill Bears and all that stuff, and then I just slowly migrated. We moved to Bowie eventually, and you know, um, played with Bowie Ballcats or Bowie what was the name? Bowie Bulldogs, I think at the time or something like that. And uh, yeah, man, I just was in the gym and it, and it just started taking off from there. And I started playing and I started playing AU with my my young AU team, Maryland Rising Stars. And we just, we won a national championship when I was 10 years old. We won like five gold medals in AU regionals. Um, and it just started taking off from there, man. We were just, I was just into the game from from a very, very early age, I want to say like seven, eight years old, I was really into the game heavy. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. Then, and then you ended up going to St. John's as well. You know, tell us a little yeah. bit about that. Yeah. And then I, well, I played for, you know, after playing with Maryland Rising Stars, I played with DC Assault for a couple of years. Mm-hmm. I think uh, two years, if I'm not mistaken, two or three years. And then I moved over to Boo Williams down in uh, Hampton, Virginia. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, yeah, went to St. John's for four years in Georgetown and been playing pro ever since. Got you, got you. What about you, Free? Home home team, let's talk to Mathis. <laughs> um, I mean, it's kind of along the same lines. <laughs> <laughs> right. Sorry, but, yeah, but it's been along, uh, along the same lines as Chris. Uh, you know, pretty much just gravitate to the game. Um, you know, probably start around like maybe five, uh, you know, playing little intramurals uh, and stuff like that. Um, you know, play county basketball, uh, play with Bowie. Um, and mine was a little different because I was playing up as a as a younger kid. Um, so it was, it was just a little different experience for me, um, just playing with the older kids. Um, and, you know, won a bunch of county championships, um, you know, then, you know, started playing AU. Um, my my team was kind of funny because it was like, you know, no offense, but it was like, it was nine black kids and one white coach pretty much. Um, <laughs> white coach was crazy as hell. Um, he, his name was Danny Mayo. He was our, he was our, co- he was my coach from, I would say like maybe, I want to say like seven and under all the way up into almost high school, pretty much. Or it's a seventh grade, say seventh grade. And then, you know, I played with, you know, the Maryland Crusaders, uh, played with the DC Blue Devils, 
um, at the DC Blue Devils. I played with the DC Assault, uh, you know, for like my last two years of high school. Um, yeah, went to DeMatha, um, you know, played there, uh, played Chris a bunch of times. Uh, you know, I would not really get into all that, but um, we can get into it. I ain't tripping. Uh, we won't got to get into all that or whatever. We was talking, um, about, we was talking off air about it, man. I was like, <laughs> he was, I was at robbery in high school. I was like, shit, it wasn't really a robbery um, because I never won, but you know, I got buckets. I can say that much. <laughs> I got a whole lot of buckets. You know, I ain't yeah. never went. It wasn't too much of a robbery. Well, yeah, you know, went to the math to play, play Chris a bunch of times. You know, committed to go to Georgetown my junior year. Um, Chris was going to NC State. Um, but, you know, he decommitted from there. Um, and, you know, kind of helped that recruitment process once he left, uh, once he decided he wasn't going to NC State. Um, you know, uh, both went to Georgetown, had, you know, great careers over there, uh, played pro for eight, nine years, and, you know, been a coach ever since now, so. I mean, so let's talk, you know, you, you kind of touched on your careers, you know, so I'm, I'm going to go through some accolades real quick. So, you know, Chris, Jordan Brand Classic, um, won the three-point shooting contest at McDonald's game, Gatorade DC Player of the Year, averaged 35 and four as a senior. So he was not lying about those buckets. Uh, third team, three-time uh, All-Met performer. And I heard that you scored 57 points against Bishop Walls. What, were you upset that day? What happened? <laughs> Three-time first-team All-Met. First-team All-Met. Yeah. Three gotcha. time first team on that. And yeah, Bishop Walsh was, you know, you play in that Alhambra tournament at the end of the year. I don't know if they still, I don't know if, they, if that's still, uh, yep. if they still doing that. Okay. So Bishop Walsh was just a local team at the time. And uh, it actually was my last high school game. And I just was like, I mean, I got to go out with a bang. <laughs> and they weren't really that good. So, you know, I just had it. I just, I just, had a really, you know, I just that's just kind of how my senior year went. I probably had five or six 40 point games that year. It was just I was just playing really well my senior year. Goodness. Yeah, I I heard that you were the uh, you know, with the three time first uh team all met. Uh I think the only person to do before you uh, actually went to DeMatha, uh Adrian um Adrian. Adrian Danley, exactly. So uh free. So you know, three time WCAC champ. Um you know, and All-Met Player of the Year as a senior, Jordan Brand Classic and McDonald's All-American, two-time All-Met, averaged 23-7-4. and four. Um, So, you know, for both of you, what was the, the first moment that you knew that, you know, you could make a career out of this, that this is what you wanted to do, you know, that, that you noticed that you were better than the people around you? Uh, all right, I'll answer first. Um. I knew very early for me. I, I I mean, I was very confident in my game even at 10 years old. I was always felt that I was one of the best players in our area. And I always competed. Like I said, I had an older brother too. So I always competed against older players as well. You know, um, my brother's four years older than me. And I used to play with his team and I was holding my own and, and making plays and stuff. So I always knew that, you know, that was kind of going to be the path for me. I knew I was different 
in the sense of my game, I was I was I was just kind of you know advanced talent wise at a very young age. Um, so shoot, I won a national title at ten years old. So from that point on, I, I knew I could I could make some things happen with the basketball. So who was uh, on that team? Uh, Markel Starks was on that team. Uh, Kenny Tate, another Dematha guy, mm-hmm. uh, was on that team. Um, LJ Hose, who went pro, he played pro baseball. Uh, Corey Neal, who now has his own trucking business, uh, went to St. John's, played college football. And then a lot of other, a lot of local guys, you know, just from the neighborhood and stuff like that. Got you, got you. Free, what about you? Um, I would say, same maybe eighth grade for me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I was always, I was good, but I feel like I really started to see it and notice it like right around eighth grade or going into eighth grade. Um, because uh, we, I actually started to play my age group. Um, playing and actually me and Chris played a little bit that eighth grade year we was playing in the JB league and we were winning but not only were we winning we were pretty much dominating JB the JB league killing people so yeah so like seeing that and being able to do that like I understood that you know I was pretty good and um you know things came kind of easy at that time and then usually just took that confidence and went from eighth grade and, you know, took that into high school and went from there pretty much. Got you. Yeah. One thing I've definitely noticed about you, you're definitely a quiet dude, but you, you are competitive as hell. And I was, I was told that, you know, after you lost in the WCACs your freshman year, that, that you turned to father Damien and was like, we're not, we're not losing again. We're going we to run off three straight. So that was, that was really cool to hear. Um, yeah. I was also told that you were you were Coach Jones' first blue chip recruit at Dematha. So I, I don't know if yeah. that's. <laughs> I don't know if if that's you ever talk to Coach Jones, he'll always tell you that. He'll tell you I'm his first. <laughs> all the guys that have came, but after me, and you know the success that all these guys have had, he's always he'll always say I'm his first. So you know I, I can and, take that in any day and go with that. So. And y'all won a national championship too, right? 2006. Yeah, my yeah my junior year we went 34 and one. Um, we should have never lost that game against O'Connell at O'Connell. Actually, yeah. I remember it like yesterday. Um, you know, we lost to you know a teammate of mine that happened to be my teammate later on, Jason Clark, mm-hmm. and we lost it um, at O'Connell. We should have never lost that game, but it was better that we lost that game and not you know any time after that. So I was gonna say you're clearly over it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I'm, I'm gone past that now. That was that was really like the only time after y'all lost that game we went to number one in the area for like a week. <laughs> yeah. And then we lost in that game. Jordan yeah. Ball lasted, huh? All right, so let's yeah. talk about Georgetown. Um, tell me something that that y'all know now, you know, after you experienced that, that most people don't know about Georgetown, whether it's you know, uh, something about the culture, um, something about the the athletic program, the fans, the support, um, you know, something that, that people outside of Georgetown don't really know. Hmm. Something that it's a lot that they don't know. Yeah. I mean, like with any program, you know, it's a lot of stuff that when you're inside 
when you inside that building, it's a lot of things that a lot of people don't know. But I don't know how to I don't know how to answer that, man. <laughs> to give you a real like what they don't know. Shit, we was in the gym for four hours every day. Didn't matter if it was a game or the next day or anything like that. Four hours every yeah. day. Um, I think people don't underestimate. I think people underestimate how how serious of a business college basketball is. Hmm. Like when you're getting recruited and stuff like that, it's it's you're gonna get wine and dine and they're gonna show you all the glitz and glamour of everything, which is which is part of the game too, which is part of the hustle, mm-hmm. which is cool. But you don't understand that it's such a business, you know, and the coaches and the school and university are getting are all benefiting off of what you do on the court or what you do in your respective field and stuff. So um I don't know if there's anything, I mean. You know, like on our podcast, we we talk about a lot of different stuff because we 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 interview all of our former teammates and all of our former Hoyas. So you'll get random stories about different experiences at Georgetown, but it's nothing really out of the ordinary to me. You know, it's it's kind of just the overall college experience that you got to go through the routine of class, dealing with your social life, dealing with practice dealing with trying to figure out how to get time dealing with how to try to win games or travel and all that stuff so i mean it's it's nothing it's nothing too crazy to be yeah, honest yeah, yeah, yeah. let's talk too about um you know georgetown especially in the 90s but continuing on in the early 2000s was was really known um you know playing for either one of the thompsons you know was was something that a lot of black men wanted to do um, coming up as far as having someone in your corner, someone to, to, to mentor you to talk about stuff on and off the court. And, you know, Coach Thompson was was big on, on you know, establishing rights for student athletes, you know, walking off the court uh, in protest of, uh, of a rule for, for college entrance exams that he felt um, inordinately affected, you know, African-American communities when applying to college. Um, especially student athletes that that was really harmful so you know talk about that and you know kind of what you learned uh, about you know what it is to 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 be a black man in this country you know from from coach Thompson at a place like Georgetown it's uh well you know we didn't get to play for him so I mean we don't have uh we didn't play for him but you know he was uh you know, big impact on, you know, our teams, um, you know, just us walking past him, like just him just being around and just knowing the coach that he was at the time um, or the Hall of Fame coach that he was, like it was just, you know, it was a big impact just to have him around. Uh, you know, he's just always giving me words of in- uh, encouragement, uh, you know, words of, you know, it may not be good, all the time, but, you know, just him being around and just, you know, uh, caring for, you know, his son's teams at that time, uh, you know, it was just good to have him around and stuff like that. Chris? Yeah, yeah, I, I would I would agree with that because we saw, so, like, we saw a different phase of, of Big John, you know, we saw a different phase. We didn't see him as a coach, so by the time he was around us, his son was a coach. Art was our coach, JT3. So 
um, Big John was more of a sense of kind of just an overseer. You know, he was like an overseer. He was more of a person that he would tell you when you're doing wrong, he would tell you you're doing right. Um, I think he he took an interest to me because I, I was in, my gov my major was government. My major was international relations. And at that time, um, when we were in school, was the first time that Obama was running for office. You know, so his, he was, you know, real adamant of paying attention to what's going on, trying to understand why you voting for this guy, why the significance of this guy. So he, he, he kind of had an influence over us in just a sense of understanding more than just a game. You know, we were already trying to figure out how to run to Princeton. So it wasn't like he was giving us too many, you know, gems on the court instead of other than just playing hard and busting somebody's ass. It was more of just his impact and just his overall kind of father figure type of image that he presented for us. But it wasn't necessarily, um, Big John was, he wasn't our coach. So we didn't get that that type of connection. Our coach was, who actually JT3 is actually very approachable if you, once you sit down and talk to him. Mm -hmm. he, you can talk to him. It ain't like he he was unapproachable or anything like that. Yep. But in a way, he was a lot, he was very similar to Free. You know, he was very quiet. And he was very, his demeanor was kind of low key. So, um, you know, JT3 was cool, man. He, he, he gave us a different perspective on how to govern things, how to train, how to, how to manage your just in balance. Cause he had a family, he had kids, he had, you know, he had a wife. So it was, it was, it was a good understanding of how to manage and balance that, all of that at one time. So, mm -hmm. you know, it just gives a different perspective on, on, on life. I, you know, I think me and Free benefited for the simple fact that we grew up with a, in a, in a household with two parents, you know, so coming into college, we already had kind of a stable background. You know, we already had a, a foundation behind us that we had the knowledge. We kind of had the understanding of, of what it was to be a civilized black man, <laughs> you know. So, gotcha. um, so it wasn't like we were we were searching for a father figure or something like that when we went to school. I thought it was always interesting just hearing the different things about him. You know how he had to be a politician at times, talking to boosters, talking to people, you know, in academia at Georgetown. And then, you know, it's also, you know, talking with the team, like two very different versions of him, but, you know, all the same dude. Um, I, I'm going to ask you guys to share, you know, your best Big John story, and, and I'll go first. I don't know if I uh, told Free this one, but I walked into the the gym, McDonough, um, for uh, the Counter League, and uh, I had my Syracuse bag on, which I wasn't thinking about at the time. I really should have been. And I walk in, and, you know, everyone's kind of glaring at me, and then I look back, I'm like, oh, shit, that's why. And uh, at halftime, you know, I, I had to go up and meet him. So I, you know, walked over, said, you know, what's up, coach? You know, really respect everything you did here, blah, blah, blah. And he's like, yeah, yeah, that's great. And then he's like, you went to Syracuse? And I was like, yeah. He's like, you know, I'm going to hold that shit against you, right? <laughs> he, looked right. At me, he looked at me with a straight face, and I had no idea if he was messing or not. And then he just bust out laughing at me. Uh, so we were, we were just joking for a little bit after that. But, you know, definitely very missed, especially in the basketball community. So I, I know you guys got one or two. So let, let's let's. You see. can't walk in the same – you can't walk in the Jewish in the summertime like and think you know what i'm saying like you gotta you gotta know what you're doing now that just can't be something that you just do just being naive to where you at 
<laughs> I'm not carrying it in my laptop. So yeah, it, it was it was gonna happen eventually. So yeah. the word today. It's the same thing. Right. Going to the game. <laughs> All right, anyways, let's move past that. Let's hear your best big job story. Big we we had a segment on on uh on our podcast where we right rest in peace to Big John and, and you know respect to the whole entire Thompson family where we um we shared me and Freeze shared some 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 funny stories about Big John and some serious stories about Big John. But the the probably the one that I remember the most is uh <laughs> me and Free walking out the gym. And I don't know if we were going to to eat or if we were going up to to Yates to lift or something. I don't know what we was doing. But um we walking out the gym and coach is walking out. And at this time, coach is older, you know, he 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 walks a little bit more fragile. He wore crocs. He was probably the first dude I saw that wore crocs every day, to be real with you. Like mm-hmm. big jump for real. He used to wear crocs every day before it was like a thing, like before everybody was wearing crocs every day. And uh you know, it was it was like a puddle of water right in front of the door, you know. And I'm like, yo, coach, I'm like, yo, watch out for this water. He was like, don't worry, son. I walk on water. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And me and Free walking out this joint and Free look at me like, oh, what do you say? <laughs> I'm like, this man just told me he walk on water. I'm like, oh, man, you got it. I don't, all right, whatever, you know. So that's, that's the story I'll forever remember is just for the simple fact that, you know, he always he was very charismatic in that way. He always had some little slick, funny stuff to say all the time, you know. Fantastic. Free you got one. Uh I mean, yeah, that's probably one of my favorite ones. I mean, it didn't directly happen to me, but I was there when it <laughs> happened. And that's probably one of the the best ones I got. But um I think this time this is more so like him just like like trying to explain to me or let me know that you know it's it's not just this game it's you got plenty of others so pretty much you got to be consistent and you know I wouldn't say this was like my freshman year you know I probably I think I just scored like maybe like 18 points let's say like 18 points 18 in the Princeton might be like 22 24 points somewhere else easily right so you know I'm feeling good you know I'm freshman I just scored 18 points feeling good about myself and he I think he saw that I was feeling good I may not be like you know the most expressive and stuff like that but I feel like he just felt that I was feeling good about myself so you know I'm walking out I'm walking out uh other other building he's sitting there and he's like you ain't do nothing yet (laughs) <laughs> like and that's like the that's like the nice way of how he put it like you know you didn't you did nothing yet right so i'm like okay like i i, I didn't even really know how to answer i'm like okay like look like this is this is early you ain't do nothing yet and i'm like damn like so i try to like so kind of like not try to like let it get to me but I, I started to walk on he was like but wait good game though and I was <laughs> like okay and like I just walked out like confused like trying to like like figure it out because you know at eight, 18 you're not really trying to 
you're not thinking about stuff. Oh, I had 18. I'm like, man, I had 18. I'm hi- I'm hyped. And I think <laughs> I was trying to make it seem was like, look, you got to be consistent all the time and not just, you know, this one game. Yeah, be happy, but, you know, it ain't you ain't done yet. So right. that's the one I got with. The thing like- about Big John, the thing about Big John that was really crazy is like you would leave his presence with two totally different perspectives mm. of what just happened. You know what I'm saying? I kind of okay, to give an example, I don't know if anybody's seen this clip when uh Birdo was Andre Birdo was explaining when he fought Floyd Mayweather, and he was like, yo. I'm literally in a fight, right? And I come to, and I, you know, I'm in a fight and Floyd is moving. He doing all this wild stuff. He breathing crazy. You know, I'm throwing a punch. He's looking at the punch and all that stuff. So then next thing I know, the round ends. And he's like, did I get hit? <laughs> I mean, am I hurt? Did Is he hurt? Like, is he tired? You don't know what to really expect. You don't know what just happened. Like, you'll leave the whole situation, like, did I do like Free said? Did I play good, or was it, or am I right. am I he saying I need to really work on what I'm doing because that wasn't what needs to be done here? You know, you will leave the situation just thinking about whatever he said and trying to figure out what to do next. Right. <laughs> so like okay, you know, he definitely like giving the people's heads for sure. Yeah, it was it was a mind game that he'll play with you, and then at the end of the day, he will laugh. Right. You know. He'll laugh in it. So it was very, um, especially for, like he said, like Free said, for like being an 18-year-old kid, 19-year-old kid, you're very impressionable at that time. So you uh, fucked up. You know, yeah, you're not really, can't, you're not really listening to what he's trying to tell you, but yeah, yeah, it was your own world at that time. So you like, man, all right. <laughs> all right two, two more quick questions about your, your college stuff and then we'll move on so would would your game have been different in today's college game um if we were at georgetown now absolutely <laughs> absolutely yeah. the style that they're playing now and the and, and the way that they're playing now. Now you gotta take this with you know, and it's crazy that we me and Free are sitting here talking about this because at the end of the day, Free is top ten in scoring. Um um I think top, he's top ten. I'm I'm top twenty in scoring, I'm top ten in assists, I think I'm like six or five or something like that. Mm-hmm. And we feel both of us feel that we use probably sixty percent of our actual talents while we were at 50% of our actual skill set while we were at Georgetown because of the way that we ran things at Georgetown. Now we played in a more free-flowing offense. We played in a system where it was able to, we were able to run more, get more transition buckets. We had personal sets for, especially for Austin, we had sets where it's more pick and rolls for myself. Yeah, the numbers would have been drastically higher. And granted, me, I got injured, so I didn't play. Uh, most of my freshman year, I missed maybe almost 20 games my freshman year, and then I got hurt again in my senior year. So you can imagine the body of work if we actually had a full four years together in a system that is like now. Yeah. Um, so yeah, absolutely, it'd be different. Um, not that that matters, you know. What I'm saying <laughs> <You're buckets. laughs> not that that matters, but I'm just, you know, yeah, absolutely. I think it would be it would be a whole different situation. Gotcha. Got you. Okay. I agree. I agree. You know, and 
man, that was 12 years ago or however long that, that, that is. Like, I mean, you would, I mean, thinking about it now, like, yeah, okay, yeah, that could have happened or stuff like that. But, you know, now it's just like, uh, all right, whatever. We do what we did over there. That's, that's what it is. <laughs> What's a, what's a matchup or game that you always look forward to, whether it was the arena, the fans, um, maybe you didn't like a specific coach? Um, what's one that you look forward to? You really got to answer that? Ask that? I mean, come on, man. That's, <laughs> that's, that's obvious. Within Syracuse, like a specific player, like it, like for, for, um, I was Johnny there at the time that, that you were there, Chris? Johnny is our year. Okay. Yeah, Johnny came in when we came into school. Johnny came. Johnny was McDonald's with us. He was all American with us. I mean, obviously Syracuse. Syracuse was a big. Was always big. I I would say Syracuse was big. Villanova was big, and I like playing at Pittsburgh. Mm. Fans are crazy there. Yeah, that was a super underrated environment for sure. And they were tough to play. They were tough. Winning at Pittsburgh was. I think we stopped their win streak up there of like thirty some games or something like that up at Pitt. Yeah. That you know, I used to look forward to that game. Um, for whatever reason, I used to always look forward to playing St. John's because we used to play at the Garden. Mm. You know, um, and I like—I mean, Villanova because I used to I ain't gonna—I ain't gonna front. I used to try to see what type of suit Jay Wright was gonna come out with. <laughs> <laughs> he used to be fly on that sideline, so you know. Yeah. No. Got oh, I'm sorry. Um, you know. Pretty much the same thing, Villanova, the Syracuse games. Um, uh, you know, going up to New York and playing St. John's at the Garden. Um, you know, just for my – also for my family up in New York to come and see uh, us play too. So, um, you know, the New York, New Jersey area, you know, Rutgers and uh, Seton Hall. Um, and then, you know – Going down to South uh, South Florida because you know that time it's winter time. You going down there, it's it's like um, eighty degrees no, like, down there. So like you know, yeah. going there and play down there was pretty cool too though. Just because just to get away from that cold weather every uh, every time we played them. So yeah, feel that, feel that. All right, so I was watching uh, one of your old games last night when you you guys beat Duke uh, at home uh, in front of Obama and, and the current standing president Joe Biden. Um, you know, that environment was crazy. It was electric. Um, Chris, that, that one sequence, you you got a block. Uh, your guy came off a curl. You smacked it. They got the rebound. You stole the ball from the big, and then you went to the other end and pulled up in trans- transition and just cooked them. Like, it was it was super loud in there. So let's talk about kind of the start, the current state of the program. Um, you know, what, what do you want to see – Change is a dramatic word, but what would you like to see a, a bit more of, whether it's, you know, recruiting locally, um, maybe, you know, a different assistant coach, maybe they need to recruit a different uh, type of player, maybe a different system, um, kind of what would be your, your uh, quick fix, so to speak? Um, I'll answer. Well, first off, going back to the, the first part of the question, because that was kind of a loaded question. Mm-hmm. Uh, with the Duke game, that atmosphere was crazy. And since that, I mean, Free remembers like, like we knew that Obama was showing up. So 
there would there was the dogs there was high security to to get just to get off the bus you know what i'm saying it was it was a whole different experience like it was i mean we had to take all our stuff off the the cell phones had to everything had to be checked <laughs> it was like okay he's really coming to the game that's when i knew when we got off the, the game and we yeah, the ones like, that playing the game. Like it's yeah, we playing the game. We like, dang, okay. Well, why we playing the game? What we got to get all this extra security for? So, you know, um, that atmosphere was crazy. It was packed in there. And then at the fact that we playing against uh, Nolan, who is our is a good friend of ours, Nolan Smith. Mm-hmm. And then also, it was also at the fact that I was I got recruited by Duke. Greg Monroe got recruited by Duke. And then Brian Kelly, who we thought was going to come to Georgetown, went to Duke, and he's you know he's playing against us. So it was a lot of things that was kind of involved in that game. Just a lot of personal matchups and a lot of, and it was just great competition at the time. We playing against Duke. Coach K is on the sideline. John Shire is there. You know, um, you know they had a great team. Actually, they won a national championship that year. So that was a that was a great atmosphere. It was it was a great it was a great time to be a Hoyer. You know, it was a great time to be a Hoya. You know, uh, Obama got onto the on the mic, and he's talking to Clark Kellogg, and all he talks about is the Georgetown guards. And he's talking about me, Free, Jason Clark. You know, so it was kind of something that you'll never forget. You know, is 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 that he recognized that what we were doing and recognized us for a talent. So um, that was special. In terms of uh, Georgetown and the direction of the program, I I, I think for me. Uh, yeah, you can always, when you lose and, you know, we're going through a situation where you lose, there's always a lot of answers. There's always people going to have a lot of answers. There's people always going to have a lot of critiques on everything. You know, like, like for instance, playing overseas, you lose two games in a row or whatever, you're going to have a lot of meetings. You're going to have to deal with a lot of meetings throughout the week. Oh, what are we going to do? Everything is this. You want to make changes. I don't think it's really that we need to make changes. Yes, I think it would be benefit if we had some some former alumni on staff and, and some familiarity with staff to recruit locally and all that stuff. I, yes, absolutely. I just think it's a, a matter of consistency. You know, if we had a matter of consistent players, we got a matter of, of consistent guys going through the program, that solves a lot. Because if you think about it, if we had the same guys that that Pat brought in, Coach Pat brought in two years ago, this is the year that we're top 25 team. I mean, with James Akinjo, Mac McClung, Josh LeBlanc, if these guys were juniors right now, you know, this would be a team that's competing to be in a, a, a top four spot in the NCAA tournament because they didn't have that experience. They didn't have that 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 game and shit behind them. And everybody kind of know kind of knows what is going to happen on the court. You know, you kind of got a good feel. Like for us, me and Free. By the time we were, I mean, me and Free always had extreme chemistry on the court, but as a collective unit, by the time we were juniors, we knew what was going on. You know, we was we was on point as juniors because we had went through all the battles. We had went through all that stuff. So I think more than anything, and it's hard in this day and era, in this day and age, because there's a lot of one and dones. Every all everybody wants to quick fix. Everybody wants to figure it out right now, but the consistency of having a program and getting that training and understanding, um, I think is probably the best fix. Now, the only thing is, are we willing to be patient for that? 
you know i think that's the that's the hardest thing to 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 try to dissect and uh yeah so for me it's just just having some consistency because if coach pat has some consistency then he would know his rotation he would know what to expect from a certain play we know we expect to this if he throws this guy in but this guy's a freshman. He don't know if he can throw him in right now. <laughs> well, he's a transfer junior. He don't know what he can do. So, you know, I think it kind of puts him in a tough situation, puts the staff in a tough situation and the players in a tough situation because it's all kind of fresh and it's new. And granted, you know, we ain't had no preseason. So it's a lot of shit that kind of plays a role into to having a successful season. And as you know, free knows and you, you you're around the game as well that – you can't turn th- a team. You gotta, you gotta work that. You gotta train. You know, you gotta, you gotta have some consistency to know what's going on. You know, it all sounds good. We put this piece together. We put this piece together. And that, I mean, you still gotta figure that shit out as a collective. Yep. You know, and uh, Duke is going through the same issue right now. You know, because they don't have. They all fresh. They all got a lot of young guys. Like it's, it's a lot of inconsistency. It's a lot of Kentucky is going through the same thing. You know, so you're starting to see that it's no real quick fix. It's a matter of now these guys come back next year, they're going to be better. The guys come back for us third year, they'll be even better. So it's just a matter of consistency. And, and you know, I think we got spoiled for a minute, you know, with these, with these, with these uh, top tier players. Yeah. Yeah. You got Aminu coming, uh, Aminu Muhammad coming in the next year too. I think he's, he's really good. And you still got uh cutest Wahab as well. So I like his game a lot. Who's a player that, you know, especially from this area, there's a lot of talent that, you know, quote unquote, didn't make it. Um, you know, who's a player that if one or two things broke differently, he would have been a good to elite NBA player, you know, whether it was, he got hurt, um, he got drafted to a, you know, bad fit for his game, you know, the coaching staff, a lot of overturn, front office inconsistency. Um, does, does one come to mind for you? Yeah. Uh, I'm going to say Darnell Dotson. Um, he was a 68. One, two, through four. Uh, can do everything out there. Um, you know, just I don't want Say so. I don't know his whole story like that, but I mean, I feel like, you know, if one or two things do go right for him, he's playing in the NBA right now. Um, he was at Kentucky. He was like their, you know, their knockdown shooter at that time with John Wall and Eric Bledsoe and Boogie Cousins and all them. Um, uh, I just feel like, you know, I'm. If just one or two things were right for me, he'd be playing right now. I think. Definitely, definitely Darnell Dotson because Darnell Dotson got the size, he got the athletic, he got the ball handling. He's he's really an NBA talent when he was in shit the ninth grade. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like he's he's one of them. Um, me, I'm biased. I say Austin. You know, I think I really, <laughs> I think Austin. You know, I think Austin, if if certain situations were different and we went to a system that um, that prepared their guards more for the next level, you know, because uh, it, it was a big man school, you know, and, and and we've talked about this in the past. I think part of the reason why Georgetown is not getting the top tier recruits 
is because me and this guy right here didn't get to the next level. I got to the next level for a short stint, but we didn't get to the next level how we were supposed to get to the next level. So I think that plays that played a major role because everybody was watching. Everybody was watching. Everybody was watching. We were the two best players in the area. We were the two McDonald's All-Americans. We had all the res- all the respect, all the accolades that you can have as a, you know, as a as a high school athlete. And I think just not nurturing that and, and unleashing that to the fullest potential to understand that if this don't pan out, then everybody else is going to start going where? Villanova, Duke, <laughs> and winning national Syracuse and winning national titles, Maryland, and things like that. So, um, yeah, my my I, I I mean I would say Austin because because from the area like. We didn't go somewhere else to go to school. Right. Stuff like that. I mean, I mean, high school. Like, there's right. a lot of guys that you know are from the area, but went somewhere else to go to high school, yep. and then you know went to wherever they went and did whatever they did at uh, wherever they went to. Yep. It was just me and him were actually we went to high school here, went to college here. Yeah, yeah. we're two McDonald's All Americans from the area. And when I mean from there, like I said, we went to high school here. So when he means everybody was watching, literally the whole DMV was watching from the OGs to the, to the, to the youth, like everyone was watching. To all the great great players that you see, Markel, Victor, Quinn Cooks, the Grant brother, all of them. We're watching and pay attention and seeing like, oh, okay, Georgetown got some, you know, what's happening over there? Let's see what's going on. Then they like, ah, you know what? Let's go somewhere else. <laughs> everywhere else. You know, so I think that's what happened, you know. So in terms, that's why I think it's it's another significant reason why you need to have some former local players or former players on staff at Georgetown to help kind of uh, be that bridge in between the DMV kids that are, you know, that are coming up now, because this is the, you know, it's the best area for, I think for, for, for basketball players in the country, me, you know, obviously I'm biased and, you know, we biased and then you got Chicago and you got LA and all that stuff. But I think the best talent is right here. If you look at college basketball, you got to have somebody from the DMV to win a national title. I mean, that's just how it's been going <laughs> in the you last don't five years. That, but then they actually start to look at the rosters and, and see that. The, the facts. So let's let's talk about the pros. You know, let's talk about the G League first. So, um, you know, either one of you that that has one, you know, talk about the G League. You know, the call ups, the style of play, the grind. Um, you know, the travel. Um, you know, inconsistent pay. Obviously, it's not at the level that it is now. Um, you know, when when you guys were playing in it, you know, five five or so, five, 10 years ago. So um, kind of talk about that, you know, give me a good uh, G League story. Um, the G League is a grind. It's a, it, I mean, it's a grind. Um, you got to really work down there. Um, you know, some people are lucky, some people aren't. Um, but that thing is a grind, man, from travel um, to, you know, sometimes you may play three games like in a in a row um you know some days you have 
you know, long bus rides uh, right. and have to play that same day type stuff. Like, it's a grind, man. Um, you know, the style of play, you know, there they, you know, they say the G League, you don't really play defense because, you know, he, each game, you know, teams may, it may be 156 to 152. Or one, yeah, stuff like that. So, you know, it's, I mean, it's an up and down game. You know, everybody is trying to get to the NBA. Uh, so, you know, I want to say, I mean, you might have to be a little selfish down there because, you know, everybody pretty much is looking for them stuff out there. Um, yeah. But you playing as a team, but everybody, I mean, you know, you may be open in that corner, but, you know, he sees you, but he's like, I might not, I might got to go get my pretty. It could be the game on the line, too. You could be, <laughs> it could be five seconds and you literally are standing. Nobody's going to be there. And they like, man, if I make the game win a shot, you know, I might get this call up. So right. those are some of the things you might have to deal with playing in the G League, but for the 100% is a grind. It's a real grind. Got you. What about you, Chris? It's a grind, man. It definitely is a grind. Um, it's not inconsistent pay. It's low pay. <laughs> Consistently low pay. <laughs> it's just low pay, but it's not inconsistent. Inconsistent pay is when you come overseas yeah. and you start getting paid. You know, that's inconsistent. But this is low pay, you know. But the thing about the G League that's cool is you gain a lot of knowledge about the game because usually the coaches in the G League are are big time coaches, man, because they're all aspiring, just like we're aspiring to play in the NBA or play in the high level of Europe or something like that. Um, they're aspiring to do the same thing. So my, like one of my coaches is now the head coach of the Indiana Pacers. My coach too. His coach too, you know, so it's, it's like, you're getting a great tutelage of an understanding and, and wisdom of the game, you know, uh, it's a grind, but also you get to work on your craft. Yeah, you 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 know, in the G League, you go in there for, for two things. You want to get caught up to the NBA, and at the same time, you're working on your game. Yep. And if you understand that, then you can kind of weed out all the other kind of nonsense that's associated with the G League, you know. Um, it's kind of, it can get very, you can get very, like, the grind is crazy. Like, for instance, like, we played a back-to-back -back game. We played in... Uh, I want to say like Canton, Ohio. I mean, we played Canton Charge one game, and then we flew out to play Bakersfield. And I was on the Iowa Energy free play there too. It was an Iowa Energy, and we had a back-to-back -back game. We flew, we flew to Bakersfield. We warming up in our sweatsuits because our uniforms from the night before hadn't got washed yet. So they washing the joints as we're warming up. You put the game on, you putting your joint on, like with three minutes left, your your, your jersey and your shorts still damp. You know what I'm saying? Or you may be in a situation where you might be flying with the team that you about to play on the plane in the middle of a back-to-back -back game. So there's certain things like that that's kind of unorthodox, but at the same time, the 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 the, the I would say the overall kind of farm system of the NBA is increasing. Guys are making more money. It's getting more recognition. It's getting better as the years 
go on. But it's not a bad league, man, because it's some it's some dudes flat out hoopers. Yeah, you gonna run into some dudes that's tough, you know. Um, and just trying to find your niche, and I think it's even easier now to to play if you if you really can play because back then it was. I mean, you can you could be playing for the Iowa Energy, but it might be four NBA teams associated with that G League team. Right. So if they got a whole bunch of young dudes, they're going to send a whole busload of dudes down to the team, five, six guys, and all them going to play. And you just going to sit the bench for however long they there. You know, so it's a little different now because everybody kind of got their own individual team now. I think I think almost every team has almost their own individual team. Almost every team so, got one. You know, you can kind of get if you if you can hoop and you can withstand it, you're gonna get an opportunity. Mm-hmm. You're gonna get opportunities to be seen, you're gonna get opportunities to play, you're gonna get opportunities to produce. So the G League is fun though, man. I, I enjoyed it to be honest with you. You know, I enjoyed it because you you get to be home, you get to play at the crib, you know, it, it's it's a different experience. And it was special for me because I, you know, I was an all-star in the G League and I got called up. So, you know, I enjoyed it. Um it, it is tough though. It ain't gonna sit here in front like you, like it's it's all peaches and cream and everything is you know. But it is it's fun though. You know you get to play at home. You get to be around a lot of your dudes. It's it's, it's like kind of an extension to college basketball for real. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I think you traveling most of the time too though. Yeah. So yeah. you know get to see different places too. So. It's definitely right. an uptick too. I think it was like either sixty-five or eighty percent of NBA players nowadays have played in the G League, which is yeah, it's, it's cool to see. It's really and I, and I think that's a good thing because that's similar to baseball, man. That's similar to baseball and how they make their their farm system and how they got so many different levels, and um, you know, it's only going to get better as 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 time goes on. You know, and it, fortunately, when we get, I don't know if they're going to have a G League this this year or how they're going to do if they're going to do it in a bubble or what. But, um, they say something about doing the bubble. G League bubble in, in, in Florida at, at IMG. Yeah. Yeah. Right. So, you know, it's just going to get better. Once the pandemic gets passed and things, and hopefully this pandemic gets passed and all that, and, you know, I think everything will keep moving in the right direction. But the NBA is such a major brand, dude. So <laughs> it's only a matter of time before everybody starts benefiting from just the, 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 just the amount of money in the NBA now. Yeah. Got you. All right, real quick, I, I got a couple of miscellaneous ones after that, and I want to get you guys out of here. So give me your best uh, overseas story, whether that's, you know, wacky travel, uh, you know, payment, playing against, you know, someone that you know from college, uh, language barrier, you know, travel. Give me your best, uh, give me your best overseas basketball story. Well, since we on this situation right now, we on this uh, episode, um, one of my best stories is finally beating Austin Freeman. <laughs> finally beating Austin Freeman in uh, an, an official basketball game. And that happened to be, uh, shit, maybe five, six years ago now. We went at it in Italy and I got that win. So that's just one of my stories. All the other stuff, I'm coming out with a book and y'all gonna have to purchase that to hear. (laughs) You got the highlight tape from that game? I gotta see that. Nah, but if you look at the dog talk picture of me and Free, the silhouette silhouette of us, you know, like this, that's from when I kicked his ass. (laughs) They won by like two points. Yeah, they won, but they won by like two points. Don't make it seem like he just, all right, kicked that ass. You got your lobotomy there. 
they won. And they won at they won at our spot too, though. So yeah. You got you got one? Uh I wanna say my first year, um, you know, this is coming out of college. So like traveling, you know, Georgetown, we're taking a private plane to games and you know, if we bus, we may bus maybe the longest, maybe four hours up to New York. Um, I think, yeah, up to New York and we went down to North Carolina. South Carolina, I think we flew to South Carolina, but we bus in North Carolina too. So our longest bus ride may have been like four hours. Hmm. So my first year, um, I'm playing in Fort Lee, which is like kind of the towards the northern part of Italy. Um, so we had a drive down to Naples. And I won't say from Fort Lee to Naples, that might be like like 19 hours. Right? Dang. Yeah, so we <laughs> we leave Saturday morning. <laughs> we leave Saturday morning. We drive, or actually, I lie, we leave Friday night or whatever. And we stopped a couple of places. So we didn't get down to Naples till like maybe Saturday night. We play Sunday at like four o'clock that day. We had, I'm talking about, and we when we get down there Saturday night, our coach, who's Serbian coach, uh, I still talk to him to this day, Ninan Vucevic. Um, he gave we had shooting like we had a like a light practice type thing. I'm talking about like nine forty five, almost ten p.m. We had a light light practice. I'm talking about like five on O and you know going over the offense and going over the defense, like maybe an hour and a half. Man, like talking about you want to get your legs moving. Yeah, like yeah, it's been a long bus ride, guys. Yeah, we could do this tomorrow morning. Right. Something. Yeah, that happened, and we played. Oh. Went back to the hotel, got ready for the game the next day. You know, woke up. They had us wake up at like, was it like nine thirty? Uh, where ate breakfast, got ready for the game. Um, we ended we ended up losing the game by like one. The dude like shot like a half court shot, and we ended up losing. And I want to say like that week at, leading up to the next game was probably been one of the hardest weeks I've ever had in like practice overseas because. They were mad we actually lost that game. And it was like, well, we didn't have the proper like preparation for this game. We just had a 19-hour bus ride. And then you just supposed to be like, all right, well, we just supposed to be ready. And the floor was slit over the floor was the worst. It was like an ice skating rink. Like it pisses me off to this day because it's like, oh, like it wasn't the best situation. Like <laughs> A fire their ops guy, huh? All right, let's move to. Uh, I got, I got two or three more. So, Chris, this is for you because you're a point guard. So, you know, what details make point guards great? Is it you know angles, uh, understanding angles, leadership, uh, change of speed, uh, going from low to high dribble? Um, you know, what what details have you learned uh, that that make the great point guards great? Um. It's different styles now, you know. So it's it's the the this the style that I grew up in terms of a point guard, you know, the Rod Strickland's, the Jason Kids, the Gary Paytons, um, 
Steve Nash's, the those those style, John Stockton, those style of guards are kind of obsolete now. It's not like this. Mm. You know, it's more of a it's become like a Trey Young type now. It's become more like a uh, explosive guard, you know. Um, even in the sense that like a Derrick Rose type is even kind of obsolete because it's what crazy is that Derrick Rose was actually a pure point guard that had to he was forced to score and then he became the scorer in his own right. But for me, it's just understanding personnel, mm-hmm. understanding your personnel, understanding your strengths and weaknesses, understanding uh, obviously change of pace. Uh, pace is a major play, major role. Understanding pick and rolls. Mm-hmm. Um, but it all boils down to your personnel, you know? And I think the biggest thing of a point guard one word that I've adopted from overseas is playmaker is it is in a sense is, is the leader, you know, is the leader of the team. And if you're a leader of any team, of any profession, any job, any anything, to me, a leader is finding is trying to figure out solutions. That's what a leader means. You know, you have to figure out the solution to make your job, your team the most successful. So there's not a really like a, uh, um, a blueprint now on how you can become a point guard. I think it depends on your skill set. I think it depends on what type of after the game, what kind of, you know, just kind of what overall skill set you have. You know, I, I think that really depends on that. So for me, um, I don't know, man, it, it's different because the, the point guard position has changed so much you know, from what I was groomed at under and what I was taught under, which is also, it's not a bad thing. It's just, you know, it's become more of a, the game has become a totality thing where everybody is a point guard. Everybody has to be on a perimeter. Everybody has to be able to dribble, pass and shoot. So, you know, positionless basketball is the way things are going now. I don't see too many just flat out pure point guards out here today. You know, it's not, Rondo is a dying breed. You yeah. feel me? It's not. It's not like that. So it's. It really is based off a of need and necessity at position. I mean, on each team. To me, you know, if I was to, to to talk about what you know, if you were, if my style, you know, it's that's different. I would have to see the type of player, and I can dissect it there. But um, I think the biggest thing is being a playmaker and being a leader. And to me, being a leader is finding solutions to make your team the most successful. So uh, that's my answer. Got you. So uh, next question, Shaq, you know, really came out of nowhere to, you know, talk to, to Donovan Mitchell, um, you know, after after a game where I think he had 30 some. And, you know, he he basically said, you know, you don't have what it takes to be great. And Donovan Mitchell was like, OK, <laughs> whatever, you know, and, and just kind of blew him off, you know, on air. And I don't really understand what Shaq was getting at if he was just trying to motivate him and he doesn't actually feel that way. It was awkward to me because he didn't really present a solution. Um, You know, it wasn't really like, I think you could be great if you did this, if you came off the screen this way, Um, you know, talk about that. And you just kind of like the, the, the stereotype nowadays that it's just old players just hating, you know, just because, you know, the, the the young guns, these young whippersnappers are, are doing things so different. I think LeBron kind of said it uh, when he touched on it. Um, 
say, yeah, uh, there's constructive criticism and then there's straight up hating. And like you said, Shaq didn't give a solution or anything like that. So it, it made it seem like, oh, you literally are just downplaying uh, him as a player. And mind you, that game, I think Donovan Mitchell had like 36 points. Yeah. And they won. Yeah. So like you coming out to him and saying that, um, I mean, I get where Donovan Mitchell was at with it. Like, okay, it's like you telling me this, but but what? Like you're not saying, okay, well, yeah, you had 36 points in this game, but hey, you could have did this a little bit more, so it helps you guys in the long run. Something like that. But just the fact that you just said, Oh, I don't think you can you you can get to that next level. It's just it just sounded like he was just straight hating on. I thought it was wild because Donovan, like, he's not a dude that doesn't play hard. He's not a dude that doesn't play both ends. He's a team first kid. He's super humble. He works really hard. And also, like Shaq, you did not work hard when you were a player. <laughs> so, you know, even though I feel like he accomplished a lot and obviously won a lot, um, I don't really know that he walked the the, the talk that, that he's saying right now. But, Chris, you, you look like you got some thoughts on it. I'm going to just play devil's advocate um, because I think it was kind of, you know, it is what it is. You know, if Shaq feel like he want to say that, then the response by Donovan Mitchell was the right response. But also will say this, everybody is super nice these days, you know, everybody is super nice. Everybody wants to be like, you know, we hugging, we dapping after the game. Yeah, let's work out together. Let's trade jerseys, kumbaya and all that shit. So the sense of you ain't accomplished nothing or, you know, you ain't really done nothing is kind of like a, a crazy kind of theory to a lot of these young guys and young superstars in the NBA, you know, as opposed to when Shaq came up or when Kobe came up <laughs> or when these guys came up, the old heads, it was a different NBA and the older guys that were veterans in the NBA. So a guy that was maybe eight years or nine years in the NBA wasn't 24. He was 33, you know, and they would talk to them like this, like, yeah, you getting buckets, but you ain't done nothing yet. You know, yeah. so in a sense that I think it's kind of just kind of the the way it was presented to, you know, to Shaq, you know, so like I was I was telling I was telling you before, Aaron, before I got on this joint that I was watching the last dance. And as I'm watching the last dance, the whole thing was about, you know, Jordan took him years to beat Isaiah Thomas and the Pistons and the Bulls teams and all that. Then when they finally beat the Pistons, Isaiah walks off the court. And the Pistons walk up to court, they don't shake hands. And everybody's like, oh, that's so disrespectful. That's so disrespectful. But Isaiah was like, shit, that's how the torch was passed. You know, before that, when we when we was when we was battling with Boston, they walked off the court in the middle of the joint too. Yeah. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So it's kind of then it became a, a, a situation where, you know, uh guys started to shake hands you got to show respect we want to be sportsmanship and and kind of showing class in the game i think Shaq was just giving a different perspective to these young guys because these young guys are always hearing just glowing things about everything they're getting all the money they're getting everything so i think Shaq was just like look yeah you had 37 at night you know what i'm saying you're you, you're a budding young star but in playoff time you come up short 
you know, you lost to uh, Denver in the playoffs, you had a shot to win. You know, that's kind of the, the mentality he's kind of, it's a little bit of different tough love. These guys don't get a lot of tough love. They get a lot of love. You know, they get a lot of love, a whole lot of love and a whole lot of money. You know, so, you know, so if somebody says something like that, it kind of looks at like, oh, he's hating, he's hating. But who the fuck Shaq got the hate for? You know, <laughs> Shaq, Shaq is Shaq, you know? So again, I'm playing devil's advocate, but it is a, it's a strong, it's a strong argument because that's how the game is now. Everybody shows love. It's not like they just out here, like, you know, somebody says one thing bad about somebody else, then it's news all over the world. <laughs> it's news everywhere. It's not like you got to show respect or you automatically consider a hater, you know, you know, so. I think it's interesting too, you know, just one day when, our, uh, our kids at DeMatha were walking into practice. I was like, hey, man, what's the, who's your favorite NBA team? And he was like, oh, I don't really like a team. I just like da 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 And then every every kid I asked, I think out of the 17 kids I asked, I think two of them had a favorite team. And one of them said the Warriors, and I think the other one said the Lakers. So it's just like, all right, well, you clearly have not liked them for very long. But um, like, why you can't just be a fan of the Wizards? And you're from here, you know what I'm saying? Like, why you can't be a fan of it? You know, the, the Sixers, this is where you're from. You just want to go to where it's all peaches and, you know, everything is is Hollywood, everybody winning. You yeah, know? this is so, the old man you coming out. I love it, Chris. Good stuff. Yeah, yeah I'm just saying, like, why not? You know, if that's where you rep, where you from. <laughs> I feel that. All right. So, um, last question before we talk about your podcast. Uh, who's an NBA player that, that you looked and you saw him in the NBA and you're like, man, I bust that man's ass before? <laughs> There's, there's got to be a couple. Yeah, there's a couple. There's a couple. I mean. Yeah, it's a couple, but, you know, we'll, we can save that for, you know, off air. <laughs> is that is that coming in the book, Chris? No, nah, it ain't even about that. It's just a simple fact that, like, you know, I'm not going to sit here and be like, yeah, I smashed this dude. I, you know, I crushed this dude. I crushed this dude. That's kind of like me kissing and telling on. <laughs> All right, man. The game's film's out there. I'm sure we could find it. But all right, all right. We'll, we'll take the. Nah, we, I mean, we, you, you got to understand, like, me and Free been into, we, we played against everybody. Yeah. You know, so we ran into battles with everybody. We held our own with everybody. So it's not like, you know, that's why when you, when people mention Free, and free comes back to Dematha, they say, yeah, that's my first, Mike Jones says, that's my first big one right there. Yeah. That holds weight, you know? So it's, it's a lot of people that we ran across. So yeah, we can start name dropping, name dropping, but don't that don't mean nothing, you know? Cause then at the end of the day, they can say, yeah, they cooked you too. We cooked you too, you know? So <laughs> it's just part of the game, man. You're right. gonna get fried and you're gonna kill some people too. <laughs> All right. So the, the last thing I want to touch on is, is your guys' podcast. So, you know, just talk about, you know, how it got started, um, you know, where you kind of see it going, you know, long term. And then the last question with that is just kind of dream guests that you hope to have on, you know, one day. Well, it got started because we were um, uh, we were invited to jump on another Hoya podcast. We were invited to jump on uh, Gene Smith, who was actually on the 84 national championship team. And, you know, uh, he called me and was like, yo, you think you and Free would jump on the podcast? I'm like, yeah, sure, whatever. And we jumped on the podcast and we got a great <laughs> reception from the Hoya fans and Hoya alum. They really liked 
hearing from us and hearing uh, just our opinions on different aspects of the game, different aspects of the current Hoyas, uh, just, you know, just different current events and when it relates to Georgetown basketball. And, you know, so we kind of built, me and Free kind of built our cipher based off of the fact that, you know, it was an audience for us. Hmm. You know that that's how it kind of built. It was very organic. It was very organic. It was not nothing that we planned. It was not nothing that we uh, like. All right, we're gonna start this and do this and do that. Um, yep. So I mean, in terms of us, we just want to keep it growing, man. Keep it, keep it, keep it moving. Keep it kind of propelling it and see where we can take it because um, there is a lane for it. You know, there's something that's that's needed in Georgetown because. We don't have a lot of strong representation in the media. Syracuse is a is a media conglomerate. There's a lot of, you know, much respect. It's a lot of people, Mike Tirico. It's a lot of great names that come out of Syracuse on the uh, on the communications side. You know, that's not what we're known for. Georgetown is known for business. <laughs> law is law is that's what we're known for. So um, it's. We, we see when it comes to Georgetown basketball, we see that it's a necessity for media. We see that's a necessity for uh, alumni connections. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a necessity for feel good about your program, a sense of style, a sense of um, just a sense of swagger that we bring, I think is unique to the program. So um, yeah, that's kind of where we at. And in terms of, for me, my, uh, my my bucket list interview is definitely Allen Iverson. You know, that's been my favorite player in my whole life. <laughs> and uh, and Coach Pat, you know, just getting Coach Pat on because he's the greatest boy that we ever had, you know. So, um, yeah, those two is kind of where I'm at. Where you got one? Uh, yeah, I, Iverson for sure. Um, that's kind of in the works right now. Um, hopefully we can get him. Um, yeah, Coach Pat too, you know, just to have, you know, the face of Georgetown and, you know, the head coach of the, the team now, just to, you know, get a his perspective on things and stuff. Um, um, I think those two are probably the biggest one. Maybe even Dikembe. We can get him right. too because he's pretty funny and I – like the way he talks, so you know. yeah, it should be funny. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty funny to me. So yeah, that was probably the three for me. Gotcha. All right, last one. You know, you get to ask me a question. I've been sitting here for like an hour asking y'all a, a whole rack of questions. You got any for me? Yeah. Why you go to Syracuse? <laughs> so uh, I actually only went there for grad school. Um, oh, so you're not even really, 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 oh, okay. really. Hey man, I still pay my tuition. I don't want to hear nothing. Oh man, so you not uh, you wasn't sitting in the student section for real. I, I did because I'm from there. Okay, so I'm from Rochester, New York, and uh, okay. I was doing some. I was doing a gap year after college, and I really wanted to get into. I eventually want to be a college coach, and so. Um, my best connection was working coach uh, Bayheim's camp for like six years because I'm from like an hour. Uh, west of there in Rochester. So um, I knew the video guy, uh, Todd Blumen, um, because he co- he runs Coach Bayon's camp. And I was like, yo, like, I want to 
I want to, um, you know, work for you intern from you, learn from you, whatever. And, uh, he said, well, you got to be a student. I'm like, well, I'm damn sure not about to go back to undergrad and pay 70 grand to go to this college. So I found a, a graduate program, intercollegiate athletic advising and support, um, which is basically just working with uh, student athletes, which I, I feel like will come in handy down the line, uh, half through the school of higher ed and half through the sports management program. So um in and out in a year, uh, 15 credits, and uh, got to work for the the basketball program. Uh, in between then, intern with their team, uh, doing video for them during practice, cutting up the film, uh, you know, after the game and stuff like that. And I mean, it opened doors for me to to start um, working with the summer league at the Matha, which then opened the door for me to work at the Matha now. So, um, I wouldn't say that I have a huge affinity, you know, to Syracuse because I went there, but I, I am very grateful. Um, for uh, for Todd for giving me that opportunity to open in the first door and obviously Syracuse on the resume definitely will uh, will help me down the line you know it already has so um, it's been great having you guys on really appreciate all the all the knowledge shared um, share with the, the people your uh, your Twitter at so uh, let us know where we can find you and the podcast um, yeah. uh, the the Instagram for the dog talk is at Dog Talk One On One, and um, and same with the Twitter, and then my personal handle is is Mr. Right underscore Senior Sr. Um, for Twitter and Instagram. And mine is at underscore Sugar Free Five uh, on Instagram and Twitter. Gotcha. Yeah. Gotcha. Hey. And by the way, you know Eric Sposer started in the film room too, so you know, you might be you might be on that path. Hey man, doing doing the best I can, just keeping my head down for now, working hard. So we'll, we'll see where it pans out. Thanks for coming on, guys. All right, appreciate you. Appreciate it. Peace. All right.